Cheryl, appreciate that. <laughs> she know what I'm thinking of. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a good wife. Amen, amen, amen. Turn your Bibles to Psalms 25. I don't know how long we're going to go tonight. We're going to go long enough to get the word out. Then I'm going to quit. Amen. Understanding covenant living. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Understanding covenant living. Father God, your people are here to hear from you. They need to hear your voice, not mine. They need to have uh, your word get into their hearts so that, Lord, they can begin to experience the power of your covenant in their lives like never before. We pray that the anointing of God would be so strong tonight that it would glorify God and that it would bless his people exponentially. We pray this in the name of Jesus and we pray it for your kingdom glory, Father. Amen. You know, the covenant that we have with God delivers us from all of the curse. You know, when uh, Bill was talking about people being attacked with sickness and disease and all that sort of thing, the confidence that we have in God is that according to the covenant we have with him, we've been redeemed from those things. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Sickness and disease are part of the curse. You know, part of my assignment as a minister of the gospel is to teach on covenant living, to teach on the benefits of the covenant and our access to God's covenant in our lives. And so uh, I cherish these times when I get a chance to really teach on this subject because we need to get understanding of the covenant in order for the covenant to do us any good. We have to know what belongs to us and we have to readily believe that these things actually are ours. No matter how outlandish it may sound to our natural minds, God has truly blessed us abundantly with divine grace and mercy and power through this covenant that we have with him. So Psalms 25, verse 12 is where I want to start tonight. Like I said, I'm going to take my time and we'll go as far as we can. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach the way that he shall choose. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Now, that word fear does not mean that we're supposed to be afraid of God. It means that we're supposed to reverence God. We're supposed to put him first. That's what the Bible is talking about. What man is he that reverences God, that puts God first? To reverence God, by the way, is the duty of man. I'm going to say that again. Putting God first is the duty of man. He is our creator. And therefore, he deserves the reverence and praise and all of the attention that we give him. 
But in order for us to really experience the benefits of this covenant, that has to be a big part of uh, the criteria of receiving, of us putting him first. He has to be first. He refuses to be second. And I want to uh, go over a couple of scriptures or examples of what it looks like to put God first. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 22. What does it look like to put God first? So just hold your finger there. We're going to go back to Psalms 25 in a minute. But I want you to see something here that gives us an example of what it looks like when we're putting God first. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abram, Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thine son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee of. God is telling Abraham, I want you to kill your son. I want you to make him out of a burnt offering. I want you to take his body, slay him, then cut him up and burn him. That is what God told his covenant partner, Abraham. Let's look at verse 9 of that same chapter. And it came, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there. I'm going to stop right there for a minute, you know. Altars have been something that God has really been putting on my mind ever since the first of the year. An altar is a place of worship. It's a place of sacrifice. Abraham had grown accustomed to this type of, uh, this type of worship. And so this was a, a custom of his to build altars under God because he reverenced God. He proved it here in the building of this altar. He took the time to build this altar. And he laid the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son or to kill his son. He was ready to do it. And the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Now I know that you reverence God. Now I know that I'm first in your life. That's what he was telling Abraham. Seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So that was an example of a man for real putting God first. Uh, I like what Pastor Goodluck said. He didn't tell Sarah he was going out there, or she probably would have stopped him, you know what I mean? But uh, this was a man who was uh, dead set on obeying God no matter what. And that's reverencing God, that's putting Him first. That is um, the heart of a covenant man. 
who understands covenant, who understands the power of it, who understands that obeying God is better than sacrifice. Amen? So this was one uh, example of uh, what it means to put God first in terms of covenant relationship. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. I want to get another example, a New Testament example. And it's going to be given by the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to talk about that. How many of y'all know Jesus knows something about covenant living? Verse 34 of chapter 10 of Matthew. He says, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I am not come to send peace but a sword. You know, people got, had Jesus wrong, you know, uh, when he was on the earth, he, people have him wrong today, they think he's all about peace, but he truly isn't, he's about division. He's about dividing the sheep from the goats. He's about dividing the good from the evil. He's about division. Uh, That's what he's talking about here. He says, I come to... In peace, not but but a sword. Then he says something very important. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. And he says something very powerful. He says. Verse 37, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me, he's not worthy of me. Now that's heavy, but that's reverencing God. That's out of Jesus' own mouth. But there is a reward for those who reverence God that way, who are sold out to God, who are going to put him first no matter what, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody thinks, no matter what the culture is saying. They've made that decision. There's a reward for those who do that. Y'all want to know what that is? (laughs) When you radically serve Jesus Christ that way, let's go to Hebrews 11. (laughs) I don't want to get ahead of myself. When you radically serve Jesus Christ that way, this is the reward. God promises a reward, in other words. Verse 6 of chapter 11. But without faith it it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. So God rewards those, again, who reverence him. Abraham was rewarded for reverencing God. Jesus said there's a reward for all of those who put God first. Somebody say, God, I'm going to put you first. Say it again. God, I'm going to put you first. God, I'm going to put you first. 
There's power when you say it. When you speak it out of your mouth, when you come up against situations where you have to make that choice, if you've already said it, there's power now released in your life to do it. Somebody say amen. So this is, this, is, this is what God is trying to get us to see, that if we're going to walk in covenant blessings, and we all want that, we have to make God first and foremost in everything in our lives. That's the price that we have to pay if we're going to see the supernatural, the way that God wants us to. And he truly does want us to see the supernatural. This covenant that we have with God through Jesus Christ is a supernatural covenant. It's full of power. It's full of, of delivering power. But to tap into it, there has to be an understanding that this is the, the, co- the covenant we have with God is a binding agreement between Jesus Christ and his, and his, his Father. And we found out through teaching that everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Scripture says we're joined as with Christ. Because of that, everything that belongs to him belongs to you, has a covenant right. When you begin to understand the power and how serious God is about covenant relationship. Let's go back to Psalms 25. Thank you, Lord. You know, I, I remember when I first started coming here to the Ark Fellowship many years ago. We was over at the other church over there, and we used to have Bible study, Sunday school. Pastor, you remember that, don't you? And we would... uh in those trailers and we'd be teaching the word and just uh, brings to mind these intimate teaching moments. I love teaching the word of God. I really do. I love teaching. I love seeing God's people receive from him. God's going, he's going to bless you tonight. I, this word is for you tonight. He says here in Psalms 25, verse 13 again. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. So that's part of the reward. Person who reverences God, his soul shall dwell at ease. You know what that is? That's supernatural peace. That's peace, that's the the shalom peace of God. That is part of your covenant right. The whole world can be falling apart around you, but you can and I can experience supernatural peace because of this covenant that we have with God. When we understand how we reverence God, that brings that peace to us. That's part of the blessing. That's part of the reward. People in the world, they don't understand what I'm talking about, but you do. Your spirit is, is understanding everything that I'm talking about tonight in terms of the divine peace, the divine shalom peace that's yours through your faith in Jesus Christ and through your faith in this everlasting covenant that we have with God. Amen. His soul shall dwell in peace. 
Then the Bible goes on to say, another part of that reward, his seed shall inherit the earth. It's talking about your children and your children's children. I wrote this down. It says, transferable generational blessings to the house or to the descendants of the diligent seeker. I'm going to read that again. Transferable generational blessings to the house or the descendants of diligent seekers. Because you're seeking God, because you have made a decision in your generation to put God first, to put Jesus first, to put Almighty God first, the blessing of generational blessings will be now transferred or translated to your children and your children's children. How awesome is that? The decisions that you make to say no to the devil, no to the flesh, are going to be, they're going to affect your children's children as you diligently seek God and put him first. It's part of the covenant right that you have. That's part of the expectation that you should have. No matter how crazy your kids may be acting today, the Bible says that the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Every single time. That's part of the covenant. That's, part, that's good news to somebody here tonight. You can declare with, with divine confidence that my children and my grandchildren are not going to go to hell. Hallelujah. They've been set free. By the blood of Jesus Christ has I released my faith in the faithfulness of God to keep his covenant in my generation to them. Amen. Now, how does God do this, though? How does he do this? Verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him or them that reverence him. So, God reveals the covenant blessings only to those who put him first. That's what the Bible says. The secret of the Lord is with them that reverence him. And he will show them his covenant. He'll, give, he'll, he'll start giving you divine revelation concerning what belongs to you in Christ Jesus. These things won't just be head knowledge, they'll be heart knowledge. These things will be things that you know that you can walk in in your generation. You won't put it off until you get to heaven. You'll receive those blessings now because the covenant is in force right now in your life through him. And you won't be talked out of it by religion or by people who don't have, have understanding. You'll know that you know that you know that the covenant of God is alive and well in our generation through Jesus Christ. It's just as powerful today as it was when Abraham walked the earth. Matter of fact, it's even more powerful because it's been ratified now by the blood of God himself. These are the things you need to know when you're up against, when your, your back is against the wall and it doesn't look like nothing's going to happen for you. You have to know that the God that you serve is in covenant relationship 
to bring you out, hallelujah, every single time. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what it feels like. You got a covenant with the living God. God reveals to those who reverence him or put him first the secret and power of covenant relationship. Now, I'm teaching online and I'm teaching here. So we got, we got older saints who know, know these things. But we got some baby saints who have not heard this t- kind of teaching before. So I'm going to define what a covenant is again. I kind of defined it a minute ago, but I want to define it. A covenant is a binding agreement between two or more parties. It's a binding agreement. It cannot or should not be broken. That's what a covenant is. The Bible that you got in your lap or that you've got on your phone or whatever, the Bible is a binding agreement between Jesus Christ and God Almighty. It's a binding agreement between Jesus and Father God. The old and the new covenants, they are this agreement that God has made with him that we get to benefit from. You need to understand that. So, let's look at something here in Genesis chapter 8. We got a little time. Genesis chapter 8, in terms of covenant. Verse 20. The Bible says, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. It's another person who is a worshiper of God. Worshiping God is very important in terms of reverencing Him. Something about when you are worshiping God, when you begin to lose sight of yourself and all your eyes are upon him. Something about the anointing that happens when Pastor Amy and her team are up here and brings down the glory of God and causes you and I to begin to go to another dimension in terms of our access to God. These guys in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, they didn't really have what we have. We have uh, a, a closer relationship with God because we're born again. But these people, they understood the power of covenant because all of these people, a lot of these people, Noah and Abraham in particular, they would always build altars unto the Lord. The Bible says, and took of every clean beast and every, every, every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So Noah took a clean beast and clean bird, which signified holiness, and he offered a blood sacrifice. Always remember, the covenant that we have with God is a blood covenant. Okay? And it's ratified, again, by the blood of God himself. Now, 
this blood covenant has some critical elements that I want to talk about, I want to touch on. Let's look at verse 21. The Bible says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. So God makes a state, couple of statements here that I want to talk about for a minute. He says, I will not again curse the ground. In other words, he says, the ground, because I'm about to initiate a covenant with Noah, the ground can produce abundantly now because of covenant relationship. Curse came when God destroyed all living flesh. And in turn, he cursed the ground. But the Bible says the ground can now produce abundantly because God said so. He says, I will not again destroy all life. Part of the covenant is that there will be no fear anymore in man's heart. There should be no fear anymore in man's heart of annihilation of the species. Because the covenant reverses that. God was angry because of the sin of the world that was going on in the world. But God, through covenant with Noah, is reversing all of that curse that had been brought upon the earth through man's disobedience. Let's look at uh, Genesis 9 and 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So, God restores man's right to procreate. Now, this is important because now man can be fruitful, and again, multiply the earth even as it was God's will to do in the garden. This covenant is is instituted and put in place so God can establish a more elaborate covenant that will span throughout eternity. This first covenant right here that he's making with Noah. It was instituted so that he could establish a more elaborate covenant that would span eternity, the covenant that we are living under right now. Now, I want to talk about the second covenant. God decides to use Abraham, a descendant of Noah's son, Shem, to establish his second covenant. But God tells him, Abraham, he must be willing to make adjustments in his life before he can really experience the benefits of that covenant. Let's look at Genesis 12. First covenant was established with Noah. Second covenant God is about to establish with Abraham, but God is about to tell Abraham in order for him to benefit from the covenants, he's going to have to make some adjustments in his life. And you will too. You'll have to make some adjustments in your life if you're going to benefit from the covenants that we have with God through Jesus Christ. Genesis 12 and 1. 
Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show you. So that's adjustment number one. He tells them, you got to get out of your country. You got to leave Haran. You got to leave all those things that are familiar if you're going to experience the power of the covenant. God's willing to bless him, but he has to make adjustments. Same holds true with you and I. God's willing to do miracles through the covenant in our lives, but we have to be willing to separate ourselves from the world, from the culture, from what people are doing, from what friends are doing, if they're not walking with God, and we have to be willing to step out and be alone with God. He's telling Abraham, you got to get away from the pagans. you got to get away from the moon worshipers. Abraham, before he got in covenant relationship with God, it's been said that he was a worshiper of the moon. So that's the adjust, part of the adjustment that he had to make. He had to be willing to leave Haran and step out into the unknown. Adjustment number two, he has to get away from his relatives. He has to get away from his kinfolk. A lot of people are so connected with their kinfolk that they can't get blessed by God the way God wants them to bless them because they got this clannish mentality. How many of y'all know you, you can love your kinfolk, but if they're holding you back from fully following God, you need to move on. That's hard. That's hard. But it's harder to live under the curse, isn't it? A lot of Christians don't like that kind of preaching because it, it, it causes, you know, it's controversial in their mind. How can I just walk away from my, Jesus told us a while ago, you got to love him more than you love him. Because your life, eventually, if they're going to see the light, they're going to see your commitment to God, and it's going to cause them to say, you know what? They go to church every Sunday. And I see the change, and I see the blessings upon their life. You know what? What they're doing, we ought to try that too. We ought to start going to church every Sunday just like they do. Those type of uh, adjustments that we make are not just for us, but it causes people to want to, to understand the commitment that we have with God, and it causes people to want God also. So get away, he tells them to get away from his relatives, get away from his kinfolk, Get away from his father's house. He says, I'm, a, I'm your new father. That's what God is telling him. I'm your new father. And by the way, he's 75 years old, still living at home, right? <laughs> Should have been out the house. God had been telling him before, before to, to leave. He says, reverence me and put me first. Now, those are sacrifices, but the reward is awesome. Let's look at verse 2. He says, when you do that, when you make these adjustments, and you won't receive the blessing until you make these adjustments, he says, when you do that, I will make of you a great nation. You study Abraham's life, you know that 
His wife had been barren all these years. He was 75 years old. He didn't have any children. But God says, I will make of you a great nation when you put me first, when you obey me. Your days of barrenness will be over. You'll now be able to be fruitful. He says, and I will bless you. I will commit to supernaturally bless your life when you put me first. I will commit to manifest miracles and signs and wonders through my covenant when you put me first. After you make these adjustments, you should expect the supernatural manifestation of God in your life. You should expect to be the head and not the tail. You should expect to be healed every single time. Not that sickness and disease won't knock at your door, but you'll be able through the covenant that you have with Jesus Christ to resist the devil and he'll flee every single time. That's part of this covenant. But we have to understand its, its power and its relevance to our lives. What he's talking to Abraham here is old covenant blessings. And I don't have enough time to go through all of my material. I see that right now. But I'm here to tell you, the covenant that we have with God through Jesus Christ far exceeds the covenant that Abraham had. Because Abraham did not have the power of the Holy Ghost living on the inside of him like you do. Abraham did not have access to the very throne room of God like you do. On a moment-by-moment -moment basis, you can enter into the Holy of Holies and experience God on a level that Abraham only dreamed about. This is the reward. And he's telling Abraham, I, 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 I'm going to bless you and I'm going to commit, commit to you supernatural manifestations in your generation if you'll Obey me if you'll step out, if you'll put me first, if you'll reverence me, truly reverence me. Stop playing church and be the church. That's what he's saying. And watch God begin to manifest power like we've never known before. That's what he's talking about. Then he goes on to say, I'll make your name great, I'll make you famous, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, another part of that blessing, I, I touched on it earlier, was that he was going to bless Abraham's bloodline. The blessing was just not going to uh, start and stop with Abraham, but that blessing was going to be passed to Isaac. And to Jacob. Same holds true with you and I. He says in, ver in, in verse 3, I will bless them that bless you and curse him that cursed you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What he's saying is that through you, every person will have access to God's supernatural empowerment to prosper and succeed in life. Somebody needs to write that down. Through you, Abraham, 
Every person will have access to God's supernatural empowerment to prosper and succeed in life. That's God's promise to you and I as you said that tonight. He's promising supernatural help to prosper you and give you divine success in your generation. Same, the same promise that he made to Abraham, he's making to you and I tonight. If I be Christ, then I am Abraham's seed, and I'm heirs according to that same promise. He'll bless me just like, he'll bless, like, like he blessed Abraham if I will use the faith of Abraham. If I believe like Abraham believed, if I'll step out like Abraham stepped out, I can expect and should expect the blessing of the covenant to manifest in my life. In the book of Deuteronomy, God talked about, in talking about Abraham's seed generations later, he promised that he would take sickness away from the midst of them. He promised that, that the blessing of Abraham, that he spoke to Abraham uh, hundreds of years before, that that blessing would come upon them and overtake them. In other words, they were not to know barrenness, they were not to know sickness, they were not to know poverty, they were not to know any of the curse because now they were supernaturally blessed by the covenant that they had with God through Abraham. The power that Abraham received by faith, that same power to prosper, was now given to his seed. And again, identify with that because of that scripture I just quoted a minute ago. If you be Christ, then you are a you are Abraham. Somebody say I'm Abraham's seed. That same promise is for you today. Because you are the seed of Abraham, and the promises that God blessed Abraham with are now amplified in your life through this new covenant that we have with, through Jesus Christ. So if I were you, I would get busy studying my covenant. I'd get busy meditating on the promises of the covenant. Because God's willing, more than willing, to, for us to experience divine empowerment in our generation far beyond anything that Abraham could ever comprehend. Scripture says we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new to those who understand the covenant. To those who understand that they can walk in supernatural health, they can walk in supernatural wealth, they can walk in supernatural power through this covenant. And God's not holding anything back, by the way. We have limited God with our small thinking. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he die with him also freely give us all things through this covenant? How many of y'all believe that tonight? How many of y'all believe that you are the seed of Abraham and all the blessings of this covenant are yours? If you believe that, stand to your feet. We'll pray a very simple prayer. It's out of the book of Ephesians. You need to pray this prayer over yourself, by the way. From time to time as the Spirit leads you. What happens a lot of times, the reason we really don't walk in a lot of this is because we don't see it. We have not gotten revelation of the victory of the cross 
and of the power of the resurrection. Father, I pray tonight for your covenant people. Pray that you will give to them spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of your inheritance is in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe? According to the working, Father, of your mighty power with you, Rodden Christ, when, Father, you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly place. Father, above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, Father, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Father, you placed all things under his feet and given him to be head over all things to the church which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. May your people begin to walk in the covenant blessings of God. May they begin to experience God's supernatural power from on high. As they reverence you and put you first. As they worship you in the spirit. Give us divine light, O God, to those things that have been freely given to us through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And Father, we'll be sure to give you all of the glory, all of the praise, all of the honor, both now, God, and through the eons of your eternity. We worship you and thank you for it. In the matchless, mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you. Walk in that covenant. Just don't, pat, don't just pat a cake. Walk in that thing. Possess it in the name of Jesus. It's yours. Amen.